Well, my friends, it's Jerry Adams here. Gumani Giadibsha Gulyar. And for a wee change, these fortnightly podcasts will now be posted on a Sunday. So this week I want to talk to you about my friend Chuck Feeney. And for those of you who don't know him or have never heard of Chuck, he's an extraordinary human being whose kindness and vision has brought hope and joy to millions. And a week or two ago, he signed the papers to finally bring an end to Atlantic Philanthropies, a humanitarian and charitable organisation he set up in 1982. And his purpose was to give away his $8 billion fortune. I first met Chuck in 1993 when Neil Dowd, the Irish-American now, I suppose, publisher and author, brought us together. And from that very first meeting, we headed off mightily together. Later, Chuck was part of a delegation of Irish-Americans who came here to Ireland on a fact-finding visit. And Neil was pivotal to organising that. And this was part of the joint endeavour that we had to encourage the development of our peace process. And as well as Chuck and Neil, the group had former US Congress member Bruce Morrison, Bill Flynn, God rest him, Chair of Mutual of America, and of the National Committee on American Foreign Policy, and trade union activist Joe Jemison. Our first meeting was in Connolly House, the Sinn Féin office in West Belfast, and ever after within our group, the delegation became known as the Connolly House Group. And they played a hugely important role in creating the conditions for the 1994 IRA cessation. They were especially vital in encouraging and sustaining the involvement of the Clinton White House. And Chuck was very much part of all of that and he remained steadfast and committed through all the twists and turns of the peace process ever since. In fact, he made an outstanding financial contribution to the establishment and the running of the Sinn Féin mission in Washington in 1995 when he funded it in advance of the Friends of Sinn Féin being established in the USA. I didn't know much about Chuck when I first met him other than that he was a successful businessman and a billionaire. But over the years I've met him and his wife Helga many times. And Chuck is one of the most remarkable people I've ever met. He's very private, he shuns the spotlight, and he's little or no real care about the personal aspects of wealth. Sometime after we first met, he gave over three and a half billion dollars away to worthy causes. And when he created his unique brand of philanthropic commitment, which has been described as giving while living. Chuck inadvertently set an example to many, many other wealthy people. He donated $8 billion to worthy causes. And Atlantic Philanthropies was an amazing concept. Chuck traveled the world quietly, anonymously, donating his money to educational projects, cancer research, the arts, music, 
neuroscience, sport and human rights. And millions and millions of people in North America, in Ireland, in Australia, Vietnam, South Africa and in dozens of other countries have benefited from his determination to use his wealth to improve the human condition. His philosophy is straightforward. If you give while living, you get to see the results. He said it's better to give when you're alive than when you're dead. It's all for him about making real and tangible change in people's lives. And 10 years ago, he wrote to Bill Gates, who has also committed his vast fortune to philanthropic projects. And Chuck wrote, I cannot think of a more personally rewarding and appropriate use of wealth than to give while one is living, to personally devote oneself to meaningful efforts to improve the human condition. More importantly, today's needs are so great and varied that intelligent philanthropic support and positive interventions can have greater value and impact today than if they are delayed when the needs are greater. In Chuck, I found all the things that are good about America, all the things that are good especially about Irish America. He's good-humoured, modest, funny. He is down to earth. He is a deeply humanitarian, worries about the world, deeply interested in Ireland. He marched against the war in Iraq and London, if I recall accurately. And often when we met for tea in a Belfast kitchen house, he would fumble in his pocket, smile and produce a wee packet of custard creams liberated from his hotel room. He also usually had copious clippings of newspapers or magazine articles which interested him or which he thought I or Ted should know about. His significant funding of Trinity College and the University of Limerick have enhanced and developed these first-class educational establishments. But his funding went well beyond this. Atlantic philanthropies have invested money into Belfast developments including the very successful Community Restorative Justice Project. He's helped interface projects. He's assisted with the £7 million from Comgall's community uh, endeavour, which will be completed in Divis Street, hopefully, next October. In total, he donated £1.3 billion to projects in the south and £570 million to projects in the north. Chuck's Bank balance may now read zero, but the seeds he has planted in support of a fairer, healthier and more inclusive global society will continue to bear fruit for generations to come. So thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Helga, for your generosity and solidarity over many years. Be assured that your efforts have touched many millions and will continue to do so into the future. Gorumila Mila Mila Mai Ogub Gulyar Akarja. And now for something completely different. The song Rule Britannia, with its infamous Britons never, never, never shall be slaves. That was written in 1740, at a time when Britain was the leading slaving nation of that century, transporting and selling slaves in their tens of thousands. Britain's wealth was largely built on this trade. 
Its claim that they ruled the waves reflects an imperial heyday when the British Empire, through its navy, the greatest military power and the biggest empire ever known to humankind. Recent controversies around statues belonging to slave owners and traders in Britain and a growing awareness of Black Lives Matter and of the appalling impact of British colonial policy saw the BBC announce that the lyrics to Rule Britannia would not be sung in its last night at the proms to be broadcast several weeks ago. That was a good decision. None of my business, of course, but just sometimes the BBC does something right. However, the jingoistic and right-wing outrage that this sparked, including from our, our friend Boris Johnson, forced the BBC to U-turn. And the words were sung to an empty Albert Hall. Now, you don't have to be an Irish Republican to know that British rule has always been bad for Ireland. Perfidious Albion's intrusion into our affairs has been part of our historical and cultural narrative for almost 900 years. I won't go on about it. You know the story yourself. But interestingly, the consequences of that imperial past also permeates and affects Britain's social, economic, cultural and political life today. It has encouraged and sustained a little Englander mentality that is aggressive and arrogant. It's an attitude that ignores the inhumanity and excesses of Britain's colonial past and instead revels in the pomp and ceremony which applauds these abuses, hence the flag-waving that surrounds Rule Britannia. This is the mentality, this little Englander mentality that believes they are superior to everyone else or that they can behave as if they are idiots, but dangerous idiots. Shane Aharja, Chipime Shibsha, Van Awalya, August B. Gohan Koramak, August Fan Sawilta.